Noah, Noah and I and some close friends are visiting from Texas, uh, hiked Mount Monadnock this past weekend. It's actually my first time to be on Monadnock. Uh, I know, all this time. Uh, but man, I, I, I'm, I'm almost like, I don't know what you plans you have tomorrow, and it might, the, you probably have to, the reservations might already be full, but you have got to get up to a high place and see the picture that our king is painting right now. It's just glorious. It's just glorious. All right, I'm uh, stalling just a little bit for my beautiful wife to come join me because we're going to preach together. We're going to tag team together this morning. And as usual, you know, they, they invite me to come along because they want Sarah here. <laughs> it is kind of true. Okay, so I want to, uh, so we're going to, we get to, uh, you know, as a part of our transition, we're going to get to share, you know, pieces of our story just for, to, to invite you into more context for our life and the transition, you know, professionally that I'm in, stepping out of a uh, pastoral role here uh, and into working as a therapist. Um, and then we're also embracing uh, the theme of this, uh, of the series that we're in of uh, asking the Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Would you, would you lead us, uh, not just individually, but corporately in this journey uh, of uh, pressing into the Lord in prayer. And the theme there is uh, walking in humility. And uh, man, you want to talk about preparing uh, uh, to, to teach on humility. That's heavy weight. <laughs> uh, but it's also beautiful uh, because of the grace that we find when, when we press into the Lord in humility. So as I, uh, Sarah and I, uh, as we uh, prepared for the sermon, we, uh, we individually uh, said, Lord, what are, you want, what are you wanting to say to our body right now? And my starting point was I felt like he was saying, just giving us a simple invitation to step closer. Step closer to him. Come closer. Come near. Uh, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, relationship here, the, the proximity. To be, to be close to somebody means you have to be physically close to them. And uh, so that's the invitation, come near. And, and, and <laughs> it's, that's the beauty of marriage right here. Um, and... and Step closer isn't just a single step, but step closer is a rhythm. It's a lifestyle of cultivating rhythms where we are continuing to step closer, to continuing to return, continuing to, to, to gaze into the face of the Lord and, and come with thankfulness and gratitude. And that's what we're learning, <laughs> that we are, you know, talk about tuition. We, we are learning right now in, in the day-to-day life. What does it look like to keep stepping towards the Lord, keep returning with thankfulness and joy? Uh, how it, um, you got a light yet? I don't... There it is. It's hot. I don't do super great um, sitting and talking, so I might stand... But uh, one of the places that just, um, yeah, we wanted to start from is I feel like this is one of maybe the most tender we've ever been, like in our marriage, like this season. Um, Feel, I think, two things. Um, I feel more than ever, like I I really can't make, like even the day-to-day, like I cannot do it without, like, depending on Jesus. Like, just in the normal day-to-day with the kids, I f- this is my most dependent I feel like I've ever had to be on just what is, I, I, God, I need you. And that nearness has been really beautiful. We both, um, we both gathered together to, to share on this and, and felt like, wow, have we been in this state of dependency like we are right now, I don't know, but just that increased dependency, and then I think the other place that just feels like I feel so tender is I feel like overwhelmingly grateful, and I'm overwhelmingly grateful for um, 
Because all that I feel like God bringing into our life right now, all that God's teaching us, all the grace he's giving us, all the, um, this time of celebration with um, Brennan finishing school and us celebrating adoptions. And, and I feel so grateful for both uh, for our, our family, our church family, and our friends. And the way that, I mean, countless times I can just say people coming and blessing us or encouraging us um, in places where we just, I've, I've felt so surrounded and grateful for that. And, you know, I I've, 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 um, can't remember, but it was just a couple weeks ago, I was reading in my journal, um, and I felt like it was one of these, my, my, my desperation for the Lord is so apparent in the morning. Like I just, before I get out of bed, it's just this, Lord, I need you today. And um, I felt like the Lord just said, hey, remember, um, you just bring your five loaves and two fish every day. You bring it to me, give it to me willingly, and I'm going to multiply abundantly. It's not just going to be like what you need, but it's going to be abundant. And I, <laughs> weeping in bed, being like, okay. And that's been my prayer, that my five loaves and two fish, I willingly give to the Lord um, each day and say, Lord, this is going to be, you have to multiply to meet the, de- the demands of all that I see in front of me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just say that, uh, you know, as we share this morning, this is, we get to share some of the story that God's writing in us right now. And we look, I look over this. Uh, our, this is our family, our friends, and all of us. God's writing our stories for his glory. You know, all, all of us could be up here sharing pieces of what God, the way God's leading our family, the way we're walking in obedience to him, the way we're saying yes, the way we're celebrating, the way we're, you know, crying out in de- desperation and dependency upon him. And so I just want to say that the, that time, the, these, are, these are journeys, and um, we, we can't do it alone. Like, we need the body. We need each other to walk this out. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm thankful for this tenderness right now. I want to, I wanna, there's so many scriptures that I want to dive into, but there's a couple I want to touch on right now just as a, as a lens through which to talk about Yes, humility, but also just these these stories that the Lord is, is writing in our lives. Uh, Jesus at one point was was interacting uh, with a with a, a pretty wide swath of people from different backgrounds, uh, and then the Pharisees come to him and are challenging him. And Jesus said, "I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick." And testing, I can, I can also, does it sound like I'm in a bucket? Because <laughs> I, it sounds like I'm in a bucket from right here, so <laughs> I can just use that mic if it's better. <laughs> it's better? Okay, good. So I, I just want to say, you know, there's this journey of, yes, we find salvation in the Lord, and He has us on a journey of healing. But I feel like we, we have to constantly see ourselves in a place of, Lord, you are the healer. And there's places in me that you are, you are putting back together. You are making whole. And, and living in that, the beauty of that tension of our adoption. You know, this is Romans, is it seven or eight? Our, our, our adoptions as sons and daughters is not, we, we're not experiencing the fullness of it. And we grow now with all of creation. Because of the curse uh, 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 that, that, uh, of sin that has not fully, fully been in, in the here and now been reconciled. Like it's done, but we're still walking in, in under, the, under the weight of that. And I, I can't even understand that, right? How, I, I can't fully understand that. Okay, Romans 5. We, we, we spent this time in Romans, and I, can't, I don't know if we got to this point in Romans 5 in the sermon series that, that just ended a few weeks ago. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Do you know that that is our story? That is my story. Mm-hmm. That, that Christ came after me. When I was his enemy, that's when Christ came after me. Listen to, listen to this uh, about Jesus in John 13. This is the king that we are following. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God. He was thinking about this in this moment. And do you know what he did? He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is our king. This is the king that laid down his life while we were yet his enemies. And this is the king that we get to follow. And so when we pray this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, that, uh, that, that we would be strengthened in our inner being to know the height, the width, the breadth, and the depth of God's love. This is, this is where that love is coming from. A king who, while we were yet his enemies, a king who, knowing that everything had been given into his hands, took off his outer clothes, wrapped a towel around him, and started washing our feet. This is the king we get to follow. I'm going to take you a little bit back to um, our wedding and um, uh, Sean got to marry us. We got married up in Alaska, outside in a big field, back in the little town I grew up in. With, with Sarah's uh, white horse, Hazel, grazing in the background. I mean, it was mountains, fields, Hazel grazing in the background, and then we get married right there. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but we had uh, a few things that just popped up as significant when, as you know, as we're, we're just taking this moment to share a little bit of our story is um, we asked, uh, Brendan had two best men that, you know, shared a little, like, charge. And one of, um, one of them shared um, this passage in John 13. And he, you know, read this part about um, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And he just said, hey, you know, challenged us that, you know, God has called you to be feet washers. And um, later on in our reception, um, uh, another one of Brendan's best man gave a toast. And my mom, if you've ever met my mom, she's, she just is so fun. And um, our home growing up, you know, it was just, it was such a, it was such a fun home uh, in the sense of like, Every wall had those 99-cent um, plastic picture frames. She just put nails all over the wall and had maybe like 100 photos of all of us growing up. She would change them out here and there, but all the kids, I mean, it was just like a wall. So you would walk into our house and just be like, you know, these seven, five by seven or four by sixes, just, you know, looking at all the different and, photos. And, and, and just to note, not, not all of the, not all the babies in the pictures were clothed. <laughs> no, she, <laughs> she was, she was big the with um, six month naked baby pictures. <laughs> but, um, but just uh, his, his, uh, um, this, this uh, man just said, hey, Jan, you better get ready because you're gonna love the people that Brendan and Sarah love, and they're going to fill up another wall of pictures. So better get ready. Just start taking them. And uh, we just laughed at that time. But this is, you know, 13 years ago. And um, I do feel like that has been a mark on our life. Like, um, God, show us how we can learn how to wash others' feet and show us how we can learn to love others like you love. And, um, you know, we... We, uh, a lot of you know that, you know, early on in marriage, we moved up here and we were doing the training school. We had um, Noah. Right after Noah, um, Brendan, a lot of you know that I walked through some health issues, but also Brendan, right after we had Noah, Brendan um, 
walked through some major health issues. He tore his ACL at a Vine football game. Does anybody remember? Has anybody played in the Thanksgiving Vine football games? Okay. It was, so, it was, this was, this was probably, this was less than a month after Noah had been born. And, and so um, I catch the ball, turn around and go snap, which that's a problem, but that wasn't the real issue. And his surgery got infected. And so he got, um, he had to go back in to get it re-cleaned. And when he went in to get it re-cleaned, um, they sent him home on an antibiotic with a port, like a pick line. So they gave him a pick line. He had a home nurse came. I'm, I'm um, like one month postpartum carrying just a, a Noah up all our flights of stairs and trying to get groceries, and he's bedridden. And we have, we have the training school that meets at our house every <laughs> three days a week for four hours a day because it was a different. Um, and talk about just like, I'm learning to breastfeed, and we're all learning how to let our child sleep with, you know, hey, worship going I, on and I'll, I'll in a one-room apartment. No, <laughs> if, if, if you ever want to receive prayer, another thing that was happening in that time, same time frame was World Mandate. Uh-huh. If you ever want to receive prayer, show up at World Mandate with a knee brace and not feeling good, and you will get prayed for a lot. <laughs> So, but during this time, I'm starting to start feeling sick. My um, thyroid is stopping, which we didn't know, but so I'm starting to decrease. In my energy, people are telling me it's just my, my, you know, being pregnant and my hair is falling out, all the th- normal things, but it's also, um, but Brendan's looking at me in the morning. I mean, we're, we're waking up, Noah's in between us, we're waking up, and he, he's going, babe, I feel like I'm dying. And I'm like, you got to snap and get this together because you can't leave me right now and you got to get, like, you got to get better. I'm feeling bad. You got to make it. Like, this was, like, I was... was Yeah, he was, like, crying. He was, all night long, he'd be... Yeah, all night long, he'd be... All day, day. yeah. I mean, it was so bad. And the nurses... (laughs) The nurses didn't know what to... They weren't knowing what to do, so... um, you know, they, they, you know, after like six days, seven days, he's feeling like he's going to die. Um, no, this is weeks. When did we go get your blood work done? That no. was weeks into it. And the doctors started freaking out because they didn't know what was going on. Yeah, they, they prescribed so many blood tests that when I walk into the, to the lab part and, the, and <laughs> the technician looks at it, she threw a little fit. She was like, I don't want to have to do all this stuff. And I'm like, you're the one who's getting ready to put a needle in me? <laughs> Uh-oh. Seriously. So they did a lot of tests. Um, so this is, you know, this is just a year into marriage. We, no, we got pregnant with Noah really early on. So we're learning each other at the same time. And um, they finally find out that the antibiotic that they're giving to Brendan via pick line into his heart, he is allergic to. And so slowly, you know, they were, it was making him worse. And he was, so he was dying. Like, you know, this thing. Um, fast forward, you know, like he, he does get better after that. I mean, it does take a while for him to recover. It takes a while for his knee. You know, then I start feeling sick. And um, I start, you know, going downhill quickly. And then that's when they find out my thyroid shut down and that, you know, um, we're leading the train school, getting ready to go to India. They're telling me I sh- should be in a coma. They've never seen a TSH this high and just all these places. But I, I say this story just to say that um, our, our um, you know, as, as we walked out in marriage in this life, um, I feel like uh, I wouldn't trade, and I, I know we all can say and trade our story for anything because God knew where I struggled. And part of my struggle is I don't want, I want to do it on my own. Like I grew up being, you know, the strong one, oldest of seven. Like, you know, you say I can't do it, I can. You know, you say it's too hard, I'll show you I can, you know, I can do it. Like anything. This was, this was mentality, whether it was sports, whether it was school, I just did it. And Oh man, I, I'm so thankful I'm not there anymore. And these these stories, like starting the beginning of our marriage, brought me to these places of I can't do this life on my own. 
Like, I don't want to do it on my own. Like, I want to know the dependency I need on Jesus, the dependency I need on others. And um, so, you know, we walk through cancer. It takes some, you know, they do biopsies, all that. Then I have to get treatment. And that's whole, our leaving for Uganda was delayed. But still, even in this place of sickness, we felt like we heard God say something and we're going to walk out in faith and we're going to step out, go in the way he, he's called us. Even if, you know, things come up, we've, we just had this peace that this is where, what we're supposed to do. So um, we're going to walk this out. Uh, but we get to Uganda, and we, we are in, I mean, Noah is 16 months. I'm recovering still um, health-wise, energy-wise. Like, I'm definitely, and then um, I'm stuck in our small little um, house for two naps a day while Brendan's out doing, you know, his work in the, in the, in the villages and in the institute that we were working at. Um, again, just bringing me to these places. I'm like, God, what is my purpose? Like, am I supposed to stay? You know, I'm, I, I know I wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. I always had this idea of like, I could do anything with my baby on my back, you know, like, don't stop me. <laughs> just, just have a baby and here we go. Um, and I still carry that a little bit. But again, these places of, um, I can't do it on my own. And it's okay to be still. Like, I had a really hard time being still. And so I just look back with gratefulness on how the Lord, in his mercy, has taught me these places of stillness, mm. of um, just needing him more than anything else in life and wanting him more than anything else in life. You know, and um, our friendships in Uganda, because of the state I think we were in when we got there, they went so deep, like in a moment, because of our need. Like my, our, um, the, the men and women we were serving alongside, the, um, the neighbors that we met, I mean, it was just like, this is us <laughs> learning to be parents, and we're both not, I'm not feeling great, and overwhelmed, and... Um, and our friendships grew so much. I remember, you know, we, we ended up having to leave because my health wasn't great after um, the course of almost two months. We came back for, for a little bit of time. Uh, sorry, two years. We came back for a little bit of time for me to try to see some different kinds of doctors. But I just wasn't um, able to get over some of the sicknesses I was experiencing. But I remember um, saying goodbye. Uh, I hate saying goodbye. Um, because wherever I'm at, wherever I am, I'm fully there, and, um, I remember saying goodbye and just crying, and my friend just saying, hey, in the course of these two years with you, we've never felt, like, so close and connected and loved in such a short period of time, and, um, I felt that too. And so we came back to the States, and um, one of the things that Brennan and I have really uh, put as a significant part of our, our marriage is just asking God, what are the big rocks you have for us each year? What are the priorities you have? And I remember our first, we have a journal that I actually brought it to read, but I, it's, um, we have a journal that we write these things in, and because um, if I kept it in my normal journal, I just went... Uh, be able to go back and look at it, right? So we have this little journal that we do. And um, uh, some, some years are very short. Our, our retreat is very short, like one, one morning praying together, you know. But um, our first year, just like saying, God, what do you have for our family? Our first year is a marriage. And, you know, the first thing that comes on is just like, we want to be a family that loves well, like um, walks in humility. Like these are the marks that our our home, our home is a place of healing. When people walk in our home, they feel healed. And um, when people see us, they see Jesus. Like, those are, these are the, the things that we've prayed over our marriage. And every year, um, rhythms like family camp have allowed us again to, like, say, hey, what are the big rocks? And sometimes our big rock is one thing, you know. Like, we don't have big rocks. We have a big rock because life's just so busy and crazy 
that we feel overwhelmed with everything, so we're going to love God and love each other. You know, that's like our rock. Um, and some, some years there's more. Can I say a couple yeah, things yeah. about that? Well, well one, one is that I feel like the reason that we did that is because we had people in, in this community around us modeling it for yeah. us. That, hey... It, it's 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 a it's a significant thing to set us to be still and set aside some time to to just hear the Lord on, on a regular basis and get direction both in our relationship with Him but in marriage and parenting and so I feel like we we would not have done that if we had not had people around us modeling that and showing us how and discipling us in that and you know even to the point of uh Sean you you know you would you would lead the church in doing that in January every year and there's a, a little a, a little tool that you would you would give us and i remember uh in in the training school that we were leading John uh and Leah Clark came coming and sharing on goal setting and you know one thing that John said was in a corporate setting when there's goals set you know they feel like it's a success if maybe 10 to 15% of the goals that have been put out uh, are accomplished. Mm. And I was like, wow. <laughs> because, you know what, honestly, and this is still, this is still something I'm learning is, is I can tend to shy away from wanting to set goals because I have a fear of failure. I'm afraid, hey, if I set goals, I'm, these goals are impossible. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look at myself and, and evaluate myself on my performance when in reality, goals are, are through the lens of relationship with the Lord and saying, Lord, where can I follow you? What are, what, are, what are you wanting to do inside me and inside us? And so I just want to encourage you all that the Lord, uh, the Lord wants, to, wants to create these still places where you can hear from him. And he has grace for us especially in the places where we feel like I can never measure up to that or I'm not measuring up to that. Sorry to interrupt. No, Keep going. Yeah. Um, I mean, to sum up what, what Sarah was sharing in, in our life is when we sit, when we're in these, in these places of asking the Lord to, to guide us and, Lord, and saying, Lord, what are the big rocks? When, when you look at the these foundational years of our marriage, he said, "Here's the big rocks, and they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, come, they're gonna solidify. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna solidify my place in in your lives in the midst of a lot of hard things, uh, in, in the midst of sickness, uh, in the midst of of, of being really sick, uh, of living in." Moving back and forth from the from the U.S. to the uh, you know moving to, we moved to Boston when Sarah was eight months pregnant <laughs> and then and then moved up. so I, I just I feel like that's significant for for us to even think about now is we we can say Lord would you do these things and Lord we want to hear you and then when He steps in and and I'm not saying that the Lord is the author of pain. I'm not saying that he is the author of, uh, of all the suffering that's, hap- that's happening around us. But I do believe that he shows up in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he shapes us. The scripture says that. He shapes us in the midst of things that are really hard and outside our control. And as I, as I stepped into uh, pastoring here at, at the church... One thing that I wanted to share with you in the context of, of my journey here that I feel like the Lord has really challenged and grown uh, is the way that I relate to people. Um, and I don't know if you, you heard it uh, a few weeks ago when uh, Mark said the difference between discernment and judgment or criticism. Do you remember this? This was, a, this was kind of a gut punch. <laughs> the difference between discernment and criticism, do you remember what the answer was? Attitude. Attitude. And in, in my place, uh, in, what, in my fear, I mentioned a fear, fear of failure, in uh, a, a fear of conflict, a fear of, of letting other people down, the way that I learned to protect myself, because when, when, we, when we experience pain, we intuitively protect ourselves from pain, right? 
And so part of the armor that I put on uh, to protect myself from pain uh, is to avoid, so avoid conflict. Or if, if the relationship feels like it's getting, getting too deep in, in, in the place of I feel like I'm failing you, then I'll put up walls. So there's protection uh, in the form of avoidance. And then and there's another place of, you know, my, my family of origin, agreement versus understanding. Uh, you know, we need, in order for us to be okay, we need to agree versus in order for us to be okay, we need to understand each other, where each other are coming from and, and, and work through it. So there's a, big, there's a big difference in that. And it's something I'm still learning. But for, for there to be disagreement, I would get, I, I, and I still sometimes wrestle with this, angry. So another protective mechanism. I would get angry because I can't get us to the place of agreeing. <laughs> that doesn't work, does it? Because there's about a million things where, I, ha- I like my opinion on the subject. I feel pretty good about my opinion on the subject. And I need to convince you to get there. And if we can't get there, then there's something wrong with our relationship because we don't agree. And this, there's this place of me getting upset and angry. And, and all, all, the, all these precious people who are saying beautiful things about us could stand up and say, here's where I felt the edge from Brendan. <laughs> all right? <laughs> here's where I feel the edge from Brendan. I'm, I'm still learning this. But, but being, being, uh, uh, being, shepherding in this context has, because of the grace of God, because of the grace of, of both staff leadership, elders, lay leadership, I've had a place, a safe place to learn how to do conflict more. I'm growing. I've had a safe place to learn that we, we can still be okay if we don't agree. I've had a safe place to, to learn how to value and appreciate and, and collaborate with somebody who's completely different from me in personality and, and saying, I need that person. And I need to learn how to get, get through the conflict so that I can collaborate, work, and, and the Lord bring church, bring body, bring family together in the context of our, our disagreements. So in terms, of, in terms of my growth here, I want to just say that, man, relationship is hard. And, and I'm thankful for, for having the, the privilege of being a part of this body uh, where I'm being shaped and formed by you all, by the Spirit of God in you, uh, by, the, by the people that I'm, I'm working with. So thank you, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. And I, you know, even, even in going to the therapy part, the, the character of God that's compassionate, you know, compassion means to suffer with. And that, that is who, what Christ showed us. Christ showed us a compassionate God who enters into our pain and our suffering. And uh, I... I I value one of my one of my strongest values is just being present. I want to be present. And yet, going back to the if I'm afraid of failing, if I'm afraid of conflict, it's really harder for me to be present, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of kind of wandering. So I want to bring it back. Uh, I believe that that. The, one, of, one, of the, one of the callings of the body of Christ is to be a place where we find healing and wholeness in the Lord. And, you know, Mosaic, which is a fancy name for, Lord, we want to be, be like you and reflect you uh, in one of the places we feel like you're calling us to, to invest is engaging the foster care system. And fostering and adoption has obviously been a part of our family's journey, too. And so I want to say why. I want to answer the question, why have we fostered? Why have we as a family fostered? And it relates to this, this journey of, of me going on a different track professionally. But the reason, the reason that we, and we've talked, we talked about this, you know, when we were dating, this, this, this sense that God is calling us to foster and adopt. And, and really the why is, is what I just said, it's because who, of who God is. It's because of, because of his character 
in uh, and, and his heart that God makes a home for the lonely. Uh, God, God, and we see this through Jesus' life, God, Jesus He, he, he went out and hung out with folks who were pushed to the margins. And they felt safe with them. And they were drawn to him. As we, as we stepped into fostering, uh, we, we said, Lord, we feel like you're calling to foster. Uh, but what happened was we stepped into a, a place where we were completely out of control. We entered into crisis and we entered into a system that we had no control over. And we, we, we said yes in a place where we didn't see the end in, in sight. So there's a, there's a step of obedience. But, but I'm, I'm telling you, there were times in our journey of, of fostering when I would come out of uh, a meeting, a, D, a DCF meeting, and I would be so overwhelmed by not knowing what was going to happen with our children, loving their their bio family and, and feeling so helpless <laughs> in the situation that their bio family was in, and 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 really the the fear of I don't know what's going to happen to my child, and and it, will will they stay with us long term? Will they go to another state? I would just have to lay down on the bed. I would feel so physically and emotionally overwhelmed. This would happen on a semi-regular basis coming out of meetings. The, the, the lack of control uh, and the emotional rawness and vulnerability has worn me out. It has really worn me out. And at the same time, as, as, as these children have come into our lives... The, the, what we have experienced, the beauty of what's coming, what's bubbling to the surface in us, uh, of, of life being overwhelming in six kids, adding, adding three kids uh, to our lives in about a year. Uh, that's, that's been part of the, part of the excitement of, of the journey. What has, what has come to the surface is the Lord revealing himself in this place of being out of control. Uh, this place of I know I've got papers due. I know that uh, there's a, a sermon to prepare for, a meeting to go to. I know that I've got to show up and be present at my internship uh, in a CBAT unit where, where kids are, uh, are having emotional uh, mental health crises. But I can't do anything but lay down right now. And I, I just want to say the Lord has met us there. And, and, and not just that, but the Lord has met us there personally and the Lord has met us there in the context of, of our relationships with you all. You all have brought meals. You showed up with, with, with groceries at our door. You, you've sat with us and wept and wrestled and just listened. You've held, you've held these places of rawness with us. And that's why, that's why we're still here. That's why you, there's still days where it's like <gasps> trying to get breath uh, as the waves go over, uh, uh, you know. But the only reason that we're here is because of our family. Uh, and you're our family. And I just want to say thank you. And I want to testify that the Lord is faithful in, in these places of, of being overwhelmed. I, I want to um, just in this place of testify, um, testify to a moment at the beginning of our time fostering where um, I've gone back to so many times in these overwhelming days. And um, I, we had, we had um, our, our first place, our first um, daughter that we, we have is our adult daughter, Tiana, which many of you have loved and um, treasured her. And she feels as the body that she feels at home with. She's been baptized here. She, you know, this is, this is home. And, um, we love you too, you for <laughs> um, we're thankful for her. We jumped into these teen years way before, you know, this was when justice was, um, little, like eight months maybe or less. Um, 
And then after, after Tiana went to school, we had this season of four months where our home, we felt the Lord say, hey, you know, your fostering is what we were, you know, supposed to continue to walk down as an f- open foster family. Um, but four months of, you know, de- calls that, and we'd pray and um, we'd say yes, and then they'd say no. Um, and so during these four months, um, we were in a lot of searching. So, I mean... And by no, the, the children would go to back to their family or be placed with a, uh, an extended family member or something like that. Yeah. And um, during these uh, months, I, I just was asking God so much, like, God, do you, are, do you, are we supposed to be fostering? Are we supposed to try for another biological? Should we, tr- should we enter the adoption track? Should we just start adopting? Should we... Um, this is when we were asking for Brendan. We felt like, you know, this, this uh, trauma counseling was what he was supposed to do. Should he start school? I mean, I can't even tell you, you know, this is where the Sarah comes in, and I'm on my runs on the river, and this is, I'm just like asking God, just show me, tell me, talk to me, like ask, ask, ask. And I, I not like consciously, but I, I really... Like the core was, I was a, I had a fear that I was going to miss out on what God had for us. Not only miss out for what God had for us, but I was going to, um, he was withholding something. Like this feeling of like, God, you're withholding from me. And um, so I remember confessing this to a friend, like just this turmoil. I'm going to ask these questions. I, and she looks at me with these eyes, like she gets real close to my face. She's like, Sarah? do you really believe you are going to miss out on what God has for you and that he's withholding from you if you're seeking him? And like, I mean, it was just like this point blank stare. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I don't think I really think that way. Anyways, I, um, the next day, I remember we got home. We was at camp. I got home from family just camp. Just for context, that was a loving it was a loving yeah. it was it was a loving it was a interaction. It wasn't it wasn't a calling you on the carpet in a negative way. No, it was a loving interaction. A yeah. I needed it so much. And yeah. um I remember this the next day I'm running and I like when I say I'm screaming on the river, I'm screaming on the river and I'm saying, Jesus, like rip it out of me. Like whatever this root is that's making me believe these lies that you're withholding, I need you to rip it. Like I need, I don't want it anymore. And um, I just felt like he spoke. At this moment, he said, Sarah, I want you to stop asking me questions. I just want you to listen. Be still and listen. I'm going to speak and I know you're going to obey. And I just started weeping. And I get home, and I'm, like, coming in to my morning run, and I'm, like, weeping. I'm, like, Brandon, God spoke to me on the river. He says, don't ask any more questions. We're just supposed to listen, and he's going to speak, and we just are going to obey. And Brendan, I mean, you know, um, he goes, babe, and I was getting dressed this morning, getting time with the Lord. I felt the Lord say, we're going to get a call from DCF about a little baby girl today. And I was, like, great. You know, I just cry into my own stuff. So I leave the whole day without my phone, which is pretty typical of me. I'm usually not attached to my phone. And um, I get home at like 5 p.m. There's a sign, just a folded up piece of paper like this, like this on the table. He goes, hey, babe, call me. It's a girl. And this is the day Elonia came to live with us. <laughs> and but I, I just say that to testify because I feel like the Lord needed to bring me to this place of like, erasing, like ripping out that line. You know, I, I, I can't say that I don't go back there. Like I still go back to this place of I'm going to miss out. Um, there, I'm um, uh, feeling like these, you know, is God withholding from me? And I mean, even this summer I, um, uh, at family camp, uh, Aaron Ellis led us in a time of um, uh, prayer. What's that? Listening, Listening prayer. And um, again, like, I, I want this ripped out so bad, but when, I, when she said, like, who, who do you see God to be? And I was like, God, I, you know, I see you strong. I see him carrying me. And then, you know, who do you see, how do you see yourself? And I just felt like he said, I, I just feel like I need to be carried. Like, I'm a little child. I just need to be carried. And um, she's like, now, you know, just confess the lie that you're believing in. And the lie that I was believing this is that, you know, God is not going to be enough for all the demands on my, on, in my day. Like, he just won't be enough. He won't be like, okay. 
And, and so I, I still have these places where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, or God, I can't do this, and are you going to be enough? But I can stand on these places back to what I heard the Lord speak, you know, that just listen, and I'm going to, you know, you're going to obey, I'm going to speak to you. And I can walk forward in these places where I don't sit in this, you know, oh, I'm going to miss out for long. There's these places of growth, and I'm thankful for them. And um, so Alonia came that, that day, and we just celebrated her adoption a couple Fridays ago. So this is, you know, three years. So that has been a place of, of just such celebration. And, I mean, all of it, you know, it's the the love of her, her bio family, believing for their healing continually. We're um, entering into their family. And, you know, our family is seven kids with our adult daughter and Brent and I. So we have the nine. But then, I mean, you guys, it's just, it's just growing. You know, like uh, Ilonia's family, Truce family. Um, and family, the definition of family, I feel like God's giving me this way bigger definition, like like heaven definition of what family is like. Um, but I remember holding Elonia the first weeks, not knowing what, what was going to happen, not knowing her past, not knowing what God had for her in the future, S- desperately not wanting to be another broken attachment in her life. And, you know, just felt the Lord speak, hey, Sarah, your job right now is to love Elonia like I love her. Your job is to look at her the way I look at her. And I promise that when you love your daughter the way I love her, when you love this little girl, you don't have to fear broken attachment because what Elonia is doing, she's connecting to me. And I pray that for all my kids that, you know, that when people see me, when I, when we're holding them, when we're talking to anybody, but that they would see Jesus, and that was what um, gave me this. I could pour all my love into my Elonia and, and eventually truth, who we didn't know the outcome, but I didn't need to know the outcome. God knew the outcome, and my job right then was to do what I could do and let Jesus' love shine through me. So this is, this is all this, like, letting go of these places of control and um, understanding, I feel like, this place of understanding our own adoption. Yes. Um, you know, like when, when, we, when, we, when we think about celebrating Ilya's adoption, this, um, finalized, both Truth and Ilya's adoption finalized this year. So next week and we're having a party, and anyone and everyone are welcome to come. And it's going to be at the Goods house, which is fun, in their, in their yard. But um, uh, the day that they called us to tell us Elonia had an adoption date, um, that morning we are sitting as a family, which is a Friday, and Brendan started having Fridays off. So we've tried to get, you know, play two songs. We play, put two songs on. We give all the kids their little journal and pens, and we try to, like, sit still for two songs. And um, it's, it's, it's been, it's, it's chaos. But um, I will say everyone's trying to enjoy it. And um, while I was sitting there watching my, my beautiful chaos in front of me, I felt the Lord say, Sarah, ask me how I felt before your adoption. As I didn't know Illy's, we were going to get a call this day about Illy's adoption, but I was, ask me how I felt about you, when you, before you were adopted. And I just started weeping. I, I was like, God, did you... Did you want me to know you so bad? Like, did you want me this, this irrever, irrevocable, you know, they say this in the courtroom, like, it's an irrevocable, um, you know, family change. Like, you are always and forever in this family. And I just felt the Lord really sweet with, just with me personally and um, saying, like, just I got a picture of, like, how excited and how longing for um, my, the, my, our family to have, like, Elonia's adoption finalized and just this irrevocable Hollingsworth name. And I felt the Lord just gave me this picture of his love and his excitement, his rejoicing for our, his children's adoption. Um, and that was so beautiful. And that, that, that afternoon, no, it was like 10 o'clock, and it's homeschool day, and the kids are like, 
bouncing on the upstairs floor, I mean, jumping, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is math time. I told them to go get their math books. And they come running down, they're like, we got an adoption day! And just, we just all lost it. Again, it's like these beautiful moments, before, you know, where the Lord, I feel like, has prepared our hearts, and then we just get to celebrate these moments. One, one thing that I think has been really, I don't know, just really significant when I think about, yeah, we're a little over time. You've got to get to this time. part. Okay. We got but one more. The, the way, main part the way, of the grad the way school. We, the, way we, the way we look at, the way, the way we do, do look at life, we use the word ministry sometimes, right? The ministry of the church, a, a particular ministry. Sometimes we're talking about a program. Sometimes we're talking about a uh, calling or some an area of interest but just kind of broad ministry if we look at if we look at ministry as transactional like you you pay me something I do something for you that's pretty crass right if we look at it like you're I'm the minister and you're the project that's just as crass and when we when we talk about something like foster care or adoption. I want you to know that these children are not our ministry. Do you know that? And to think of them in that way is offensive to me. That somebody would look at our family and think, oh, these kids are their their ministry. And if the people around us that the Lord is calling us to love, if they sense that they're our ministry, they're going to smell that. They smell it. And they don't want it. And they're not, they're not rejecting Christ. <laughs> they're, rejecting, they're rejecting our pride. They're, they're rejecting our self-sufficiency, our control, our getting something out of helping them. And it is so humbling. We, our, our mixed motives, we, <laughs> we need the Lord. We don't, do, we don't want to do it right for the right reasons. We need the Lord to come in and purify our motivations. But whether, we, whether we're talking about you know, this journey of family and adoption or the way we care for each other here, the way we care for people who are coming in from our community, I want, I want us, we, we need the Lord to change the way we look at ministry because it's relationship. It's relationship. It's, it's, it's walking in humility. It's not hierarchical, even though there is biblical authority, right? Um, and then, so the last thing, you know, so there's, there's uh, me going to grad school, getting, getting counseling tools. I really wanted tools, counseling tools, therapy tools in the context, especially of trauma. And, I've, and after wrestling with it for years and years and years, I decided to go to the School of Social Work. Uh, so I got my MSW. And the, the deeper I've gone, the more excited I get about it. <laughs> the way that God has created us. He's created us for relationship. Down to our, the way that our physical beings are integrated in with our minds, uh, our, our thoughts, our personalities, our, 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 our spirit, who we are as spirit beings. He has made us for relationship. And when, when relationship is broken in the context of trauma, the way that it impacts us as people is just phenomenal. It's just crazy. And, and, and when, you look at, when you look at neuroscience and, and how when a, baby, when a baby does not receive the love and care of, of voice, touch, nourishment, warmth, affection, it affects a baby physically. It affects us physically, the way our brains are wired. And you want to talk about the connection of that to humility? Do you know that we can't be humble if we don't feel safe? Because humility, again, going back to that protection, humility is taking, off, is taking off my layers of protection and you seeing me and me giving you me and me, and, and me receiving you. We can't do that if we don't feel safe. And you know how we feel safe? When we walk into somebody's presence and there's joy on their face because they want to be with us. 
That is, that's the heart of safety. Of, of walking into a, a, a person, their presence, who they are whole enough to take joy in me. And me responding with taking joy in them. That's, that's safety. That's attachment. And what happens in our, in our physical beings and our nervous systems, it's mind-boggling. So here's the question. Two questions. First is, has the Lord called the body of Christ to be a place of wholeness and healing? Has he? Yes. Does, 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 that, we, does that include wholeness spiritually? Absolutely. That's a given. Does that include mental health? Yes. Does that include physical health? Yes. So, so, so when, when I am, am wrestling with depression, anxiety, codependency, addictions, all, all these things that happen when relationships are broken, when, when people do things to me that might be outside my control, and then I have broken reactions to them that we call sin, right? How, how, can, we, how can we parse all this mess? And where do we go? When we're so broken that we don't know, our, the identity within us is broken. Our ability to trust and relate is broken. Where do we go? Where do we go? The church has to be a safe place. Has to be a safe place. And the Lord, I believe the Lord is teaching the body of Christ how to look at the whole person. When Jesus ministered to people, He knew. He knew when it was when it was spiritual oppression. He knew when it was physical, you know, biological issues that needed to be healed. He knew when it was mental illness. He knew when the person needed a touch, a physical touch. He knew, he, he knows, and he wants to teach us. We're learning how to, how, how to care for people. And he's the one who does the healing, right? We don't heal. The Lord heals but I, I have such a passion to see the body of Christ be a place where, where we find healing. And you know part of that, a huge part of that is because I've needed healing. I've wrestled with depression. I've wrestled with addictions. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of, a couple of friends came to, came to visit uh, from Texas this past week. And on that hike to Monagnot that I mentioned, I, I looked at my son and I said, Noah, I want you to know that David and Craig walked with me through a season of depression that was the hard, that was the lowest and hardest season of my life. And I didn't go into the fact that it, I was suicidal. Uh, that, that if you, I, I checked all the boxes of clinical depression. But I just said, these guys surrounded me and, and loved me in that place. And I said, son, I want, I want you to know that you're going to go through hard things. And you might want to hide those hard things. But you need people around you like these brothers to walk with. We, our, this is our journey. It's not just the out there journey. It's not the them. This is our journey too. And, and so going, me going to school is saying, how do we create, how do, how do, within the body of Christ, how do we create a place where people come and find healing? But then also feeling like the Lord's calling us to go out. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not just here. But I want to be engaged with systems uh, you know, our mental health systems, foster care systems, Department of, of, of Mental Health. I want to be, a, I want, we are called to be a part of systems where people can find people that, uh, that care about them. Okay, that's why I went back to school. That's what I'm stepping into. So I'm here, I'm not going anywhere, I'm here. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm stepping out of ministry and into secular whatever. There's no, there's, there's, there, the Lord doesn't have that bifurcation, right? So if you're an engineer, hey, you are a minister of reconciliation, right? If, if, if you, if you, and, and I, if you care for people, I, one, of, one, of the, one of the groups of people that I want to honor so much, in our, in our body, we have, we have nurses, we have doctors, we have health aides who on a day-to-day basis are entering into sickness and pain, or maybe just bodies and minds that don't work like everybody else's bodies and minds, and you enter into that place of vulnerability, and you care for them well, 
You literally wipe bottoms sometimes. Sometimes for some of us, that's our jobs is wiping bottoms. Sometimes they're babies and sometimes they're adults. But I just want to say, what an incredible ministry. You are caring for kingdom VIPs. There's no, there's no, there's no minister, ministry and secular divide. Okay, last thing. I'm going over, but I'm doing it because I know I can. <laughs> this is my last shot. <laughs> Not my last shot. This is my, last, my transition shot. Okay, last, last, last picture here. And this is something that I've been chewing on for the last couple of years. In, the, in Hebrews, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is wrapping up this, uh, this really powerful book. Uh, and, and there's a lot of doctrine. Seeing the Old Testament through, through the lens of the kingdom, where is Jesus in this? So the, so the writer is wrapping this book up. And he's saying, he's reminding them, uh, this is what it looks like for you to live out practically in your daily lives, the kingdom. And then he takes this weird, hard left turn, and he says, remember the sacrifices? The, the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, which we, we just had the Day of Atonement, right? That sacrifice that's offered, uh, the priest can't eat it. And they're like, okay, wait, let me, let me get my grounds here. Okay, if, if you're Jewish and reading that, you know exactly what he's talking about. For us, it's kind of like, okay, left turn. Okay, that sacrifice, the priest couldn't eat. They actually had to take that sacrifice outside the camp and dump it in the, in the trash heap, in the dump. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. This is our king. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sins are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. That's Jesus. And you know what's even more powerful? Where does he call us? Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Now, two things I want to I want to I want to I want to make note of here. Not, and I'm not just talking about what's outside the camp, but I'm talking about who's outside the camp. Who lives outside the camp? People pushed to the margins of society. People live out there. And let me ask you this, when it, when it says, let us, he's calling us, let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. Do you think Jesus, do you think Jesus is embarrassed to be outside the camp? No. So I don't think the reproach this is talking about is, oh, we've got to go out and, and be in this embarrassing place with these embarrassing people. And one of the reasons why I believe that, going back to that, that, that Jesus saying, I came not for the sick, but for the healthy. Do you know that we're outside the camp? We have to see ourselves outside the camp, number one. And, and then the other thing is, is when we go outside the camp, if we live outside the camp, there is so much outside our control. Do you know that people who live outside the camp, do they control what they have for lunch every day? Can they control often whether the sun is, is hitting their head or the rain or the temperature? Can they control what's done to them? There's so much outside of their control. And, 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 and when we live outside the camp, are we giving up control? Enormous amounts of control. And it, it is a vulnerable place to live outside the camp. So how, how do we do this? This is my landing point. How do we do this? How do we join Jesus outside the camp and, and, and journey with this king who ministers to us as a high priest who understands because he took on our infirmities? That we're journeying towards wholeness and at the same time entering into, into, into places of pain 
with humility and compassion, no pretense whatsoever. Do you know that that's all-consuming? That, that, that I have a job and I'm thinking about finances and success in human terms. Yeah, I wrestle with those things. Uh, and and how, do I, how do I protect my, my, how do I have a safe place for my kids to grow up and thrive? Those are all things that I wrestle with on a daily basis. But it is all-consuming to follow our king and live outside the camp. So how are we going to do it? The Lord is calling us to step closer to Him. And stepping closer to Him is, for every one of us is, is a different, it's going to look different in all of our lives. But I believe stepping closer to Him is actually stepping further outside control. Stepping towards vulnerability. And all kinds of stuff is going to come up. Is, this, is his presence an okay place for it to come up? I think it is. That's why I'm here. So Lord Jesus, we need to know your safety. <coughs> Lord, I need to know, I need to continue knowing your safety growing in my ability to, to rest in you, to be still in you. And to, to, not, to not bring up the barriers all the time. To, to know when to retreat, when to say no, and when to stay engaged. Lord Jesus, we, we need you to teach us how to stay connected when we're angry, when we're afraid. Lord, we, we, we need to see you. And Lord, we step towards you. We come closer and say, Lord Jesus, would you show us yourself? So we're going we're gonna to spend a, little, uh, a couple minutes worshiping here. Uh, I encourage you to, to respond to that, that invitation of the Lord, just saying, come closer, come near. Uh, and if, if praying with someone is a part of that, stepping closer, grab somebody to pray with. Uh, if it's just needing a quiet space to listen a little bit. If it's being afraid to be quiet, needing to pull somebody else in and say, hey, it's hard for me to be still by myself.